Well, good morning. How is everyone? Is there, oh, it's go, I got one good, and it was from Pastor Ben, so it doesn't count because I need to hear from you. So how are you? Good. Awesome. I'm so glad. It does count, Pastor Ben. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, I'm glad to see you all here this morning. I'm really excited because I see Leona here. Welcome back. We've missed you. I'm so glad you're here. So we're going to go ahead and get started. If you guys want to stand with me, we're going to welcome the Holy Spirit in, and we're going to start our time of worship together. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. We ask you to come in and feel welcome here in this place. Move in us and around us, and Lord, we just give all of our offerings of our worship, prayer, and praise this morning to you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.
of you and what you've done for us and how worthy you are. Lord, we thank you for letting us come into your throne room this morning to sit at your feet. Some of us came in skipping. Some of us came in just barely being able to put one foot in front of the other. We thank you for both, Lord. We thank you for receiving us, Jesus. We thank you for listening to our prayers all week long. Lord, I thank you for listening to us as we, we lift up people that we love from this congregation. The Allen, the Lauren. Lord, thank you for moving. Thank you for hearing our prayers and for, for being in the middle of it all. We know that you have the answers, and we know we can trust you and believe you. Lord, I thank you for getting us out of bed this morning. We discussed that this morning, Jesus, with you as we prayed as a worship team, that you put the breath in our lungs to come and to worship you this morning. And I'm grateful that you've allowed us that. It's such an honor to sit at your feet, Father. I pray that you will be welcome, that you will feel welcome from your children this morning in this place, that you will move in and through each row, that you will touch each person, each soul that's sitting here in a way that's so personal to them, they know that it has to be you. Lord, I ask you to be with us through the rest of this service. I ask you to speak through Pastor Ben this morning to work in all the details, to receive our offering of praise and prayer. Lord, I just thank you for the way that you love us. We love you, Jesus. And we ask all of this in your name. Amen. If you would turn and welcome someone, but before that, I want to make sure all the kids know there's a flag flying in the back, and you are dismissed to go with Miss Tracy, and then everyone else welcome each other this morning. We're glad you're here. Okay, get those last hugs and handshakes in. Great to be together. 
Great to be able to come away from the noise and clutter of life and lift up songs of praise to the Lord. Amen. Glory, uh, those songs encourage me today. Great to know that God is with us here today, too. Amen. And good to be together. You know, you can be an encouragement to someone even here this morning. Wouldn't that be good? Let's do it. You have uh, some uh, Sunday morning bulletins. What color are those things today? Blue, finally. And in those blue bulletins, you've got a connection card, a prayer request. Uh, we'd love to receive those. If you need a pen, raise a hand. Somebody will bring you that. Uh, any contact information on the other side or anything that you want to communicate to us. Here's one of the things that you could communicate to us. If you're not getting our weekly emails, we send one out Tuesday with that bulletin, soft copy of it, and then a Wednesday word of encouragement. This past Wednesday in the word of encouragement, I included the line in an old hymn, and I said, if anybody can tell me what hymn that uh, line comes from, I'll give them all the cash in my wallet on Sunday morning, hoping no one would know what that line was. I did bring my wallet, and Barbara Fritz got that answer right. So if Barbara Fritz sees me after service, she'll get all the cash in my wallet. So read your emails. That's the moral to that story right there. Read your emails. Okay. Hey, the Colorado District has a uh, mission trip coming up. I think I've got a slide with some details to Serbia, a couple of countries away from Ukraine. And much of the focus of that trip is going to be on uh, helping refugees. You see some of the details there, the costs, the dates. Jim Rumsey, sitting on the back row, could you stand just to make sure you know Jim Rumsey? He's going on that trip, and if you're interested in going as well or have questions, see Jim after the service today. I'm imagining the deadline for signing on is uh, coming up soon. What an opportunity. Uh, in that part of the world to uh, serve in Jesus' name. A couple, three quick reminders, and I think uh, most of these are in your bulletin this morning. Ladies, you've got a great fellowship next, no, this coming Saturday, and it's here, here in this uh, building, I think down in the chapel. Is that correct, Barbara? Rather than a barber's house, so details are in the bulletin. Uh, we have our third offering of what we call NAS 101. If you're not a member yet and want to consider membership in this local church, or if you just want to know uh, something of the larger church we're a part of, uh, Richard and Barbara Sundermeyer, new to our church, why don't you guys stand so people know who you are. They're going to be teaching this time around, and uh, lunch included. You can't beat that with a stick. Uh, details are there in your bulletin. And here in the new year, just a reminder that uh, left out of these doors up the hall is a nice library that Cindy Rumsey keeps uh, current. Some great books. I went in there looking for one. I didn't find it, but I saw a bunch of other good ones, and there's even some giveaways in there, so check that out. And everything else that you might need to know is in that bulletin this morning. That'll come to you in an email on Tuesday, and I hope you check out uh, all the details there. Uh, once in a while back home, I would do this, and I'm going to do it here today as well. I love to hear the conversations and the chatter as God's people come to uh, this place to worship and pray and encourage each other. Here's the word every Sunday. Uh, as you come in from that coffee shop to the service as it begins, let's stop talking. And let's begin to just focus on 
what's happening in here. And that goes for us throughout the service as well. Once we come in this space, let's just give our attention to God. Sing and pray and hear his word. Amen. Out there, man, talk it up. And during greetings, talk it up. And if you're falling asleep during the sermon, talk it up too, if it's going to keep you awake. I think I've got a uh, little video uh, greeting and testimony from Diane Allen. Did we get that all queued up? Let's crank the volume on that and let's see if we can hear her. We prayed for Diane and Gary on Sunday and uh, Diane wanted to just say thanks for that. I've been here almost an hour and haven't heard one complaint <laughs> from either Diane or Gary. And I told these guys they just had such a great attitude through all this, and they've been through a bunch. How do you how do you keep a good attitude? I, I just know the only way is with God. You know, I feel like every day I wake up and I feel like, okay, Lord, what are we doing today? Because um, depending on my pain level, I might be soaking in the tub first thing. Or I'm up getting around, being able to get breakfast. It just depends on what my body's telling me I can do. Mm. And um, the one thing that I just, you know, find it so important is just to spend, spend the time with him, um, knowing that he is there 24-7. Mm. And he's part of our lives um, going forward, no matter what we're going to face today or tomorrow. Mm. That's right. The Lord is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. He's with you, and sure appreciate and love you guys and, and your your attitude and your faith as a testimony to us. Thank you. Good. And they really do appreciate the love and support and prayers of uh, their church family, as do uh, Julie and Jerry Loring. Speaking of great attitudes, uh, Julie has just been a really tough week. Uh, Jerry was in the hospital and just kept the faith stayed upbeat, and she wanted uh, us to pass along thanks for that same love, support, prayer uh, for them. And uh, just in a few minutes, Pastor Scott's going to be praying again for Jerry and Julie, for the Allens as well. And uh, As he leads us today in, in prayer, let's be praying for each other. We really need to be doing that. But thank you for being a loving church family. Uh, you guys are awesome. We're going to receive the morning tithes and offerings in just a moment. I'm going to ask our ushers to come and prepare to wait on us. Thank God for always blessed us with, amen, and always done for us, and always allowed us to be and to do. Uh, we, uh, we are grateful recipients of God's gift and give back to Him a portion of what He's blessed us with. 
the Lord bless you as you give this morning. together and we continue our time of worship.
in prayer. Lord, we want that. We want to draw closer to you. Our mind goes to what that means. What's that look like in our lives? When we draw closer to you, Lord, there's so many great things that happen. First off, you show us in our lives things and you change them. You show us the things that are the barriers, the barricades in our lives that stand in between ourselves and you, Lord. We want to be rid of those. We want to live freely in your grace. When we draw close to you, Lord, there's joy. There's a a certain type of happiness that comes from being in your presence, Lord. Thank you for that. We look for that. But there is a deeper-seated joy that we can have through all of life's struggles and life's experiences when we draw close to you. I pray that we all can experience that joy that resides deep within us, us as believers, that no one can take from us, no one in this world, no one that may come against the, wor- the, the name of the Lord can take, take away. We thank you for that joy, the joy of believers. What happens when we draw close to you, Lord, you bring your people to us in conversation and connection. And we have blessing of those here in this church today that we can commune with, that we can connect with, that we can just live life with. I pray for those connections in this church today that we're able to, while we draw closer to God, draw closer to one another. So thank you for those in our midst that our hearts go out to right now. Jerry Loring, Diane Allen. We want to lift a special prayer to them today. They've had a go of it, both of them. Lord, I lift up their, their physical needs to you. Anything going on medically be with the doctors and the nurses and all the decisions being made on a regular basis for their health. Lift their bodies to you. But I also lift their spirits and their hearts to you now, Lord, that they can feel your presence and that peace that passes all understanding to enter in their lives in a time that some might just see hopelessness or pain that you can provide them with a belief of hope and joy and peace in your love. I thank you for doing that with us as a body of believers on a regular basis. 
pray that we continue to draw closer to you as the service goes on. Thank you for our pastor, Janice, and thank you, Lord, that you continue and lift all of us. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Scott. Beautiful prayer. You said something in there that got me to thinking. You acknowledged barriers and barricades in our hearts and lives and our relationship with God. That's interesting. I don't know if you did that on purpose. Barriers, we may not have had any choice. Sometimes there are barriers in our hearts and lives that are a result of life's experiences, and we've got to deal with those. And Barricades, that's something we put up, right? And we can do that. And I don't want to, I want to put up any barricades when it comes to my relationship with God, or with you, for that matter. And that's the other thing that I appreciated about your prayer. I actually wrestled with that song. I love that song, "Draw Me Close to You." I've been singing that for years and years. But is it true that all I want and all I need is God? Actually, I think that God has created a people-shaped void in us, and I want fellowship with you and need you. I think that's the way God made us. Um, when I sing, I sing, and I also think and pray, and uh, I guess you can multitask when you're praising the Lord. I hope he's okay with that. Anyway. I've said, if you send me pictures of your grandkids, I will show them on Sunday morning. And uh, up until today, only one other person has taken me up on that, and that's Corey Smith. I think we showed Henry months and months ago. I've got another one this morning. Put it up there, Kylie. There you go. Now, there's a beautiful baby boy. And that is Doug and Sandra Frank's great-grandson. And he's a beauty. So... Send me pictures of your grandkids, and I will show them on Sunday morning. And our first Sunday uh, back with you last week, and here uh, early in this new year, I hit the subject of worship, the visit of the Magi, as I reread that story, Matthew chapter 2 on Epiphany, has become for me in these last few years a call to worship, as they uh, came to Bethlehem and to that house. And through that door and saw Jesus with his mother Mary, the Bible says that they fell down and worshipped him. Last Sunday I quoted Rory Nolan, a worship leader in his book, Worship on Earth as it is in Heaven. That we discover how prominent worship is throughout the biblical narrative. And right there in the middle of the Bible, a hymnal, uh, songs of praise to the Lord. And uh, he's right. From the offerings of Cain and Abel to the Lord, Genesis chapter 4, through the book of Acts and the gathering of the early church in the temple courts to praise God, worship is everywhere in the life of God's people. Always has been, always will be. And I asked us the question last week, what place does worship have in your life these days? I don't know about you, but I can use that reminder for myself. What place does worship have in your life these days? And we're 
working with this definition of worship, pretty simple one, giving our full attention, who he is and what he's done to God in praise and thanks. Giving our full attention to God, who he is and what he's done in praise and thanks. If you want more of a definition, here's one by William Temple. I thought this was pretty good. Worship is the submission of all of our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by His holiness. Can we have that slide back there? The nourishment of the mind with His truth. The purifying of the imagination by His beauty. The opening of the heart to His love. The surrender of the will to His purpose. That's pretty good. If we give our full attention to God, it means the attention will be off of ourselves. It counters our tendency to be self-centered, too self-focused. If we give our full attention to God, it means the attention will be off our circumstances. It counters our tendency to allow our circumstances to dictate how we feel, how hopeful we are, how, or what we do. I, I'm thinking that's uh, Diane Allen's secret. She doesn't have her focus on her circumstances. She's looking beyond them to the God who's with her. Amen? Now, we need to take care of ourselves, and we need to deal with our circumstances, but we don't need to be consumed by either. Amen? Turning our full attention to God in praise and thanks, regardless of our circumstances, and pushing back from ourselves will not only give us perspective, I often need that, but will provide the opportunity to encounter the living God and tap His limitless resources of grace and mercy and love. Genuine worship, entering into the presence of God, is like standing on the rim of the Grand Canyon as opposed to sitting in my recliner just reading about Him. Worship. We said last week, worship begins with simply acknowledging God. Here's a C.S. Lewis quote. We may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with Him. He walks everywhere incognito. And the incognito is not always hard to penetrate. The real labor is to remember, to attend to Him, to acknowledge Him. In fact, to come awake, still more to remain awake. That's good. Worship is acknowledging who He is and what He's done and giving Him praise and thanks. And that most often, as I noted last week, is very intentional. That Quaker clergyman Richard Foster says this, Praise, worship, adoration must be learned. To illustrate, think about your kids. They don't need to be trained to ask for things, but they do need to learn to say thank you. The same is true for us. Worship and prayer. What a combination. Worship and prayer. The communication piece of our relationship with God. Nothing important, more important to a relationship than communication. Amen? You got to be talking to each other. And right now I'm talking to myself. <laughs> Still working on that. As this new year begins with all its challenges and opportunities ahead of us, no better place to begin 
and with a call to worship and prayer. Let's give some attention to prayer today. When a doctoral student at Princeton asked Albert Einstein, what is there left in the world for original dissertation research? Einstein replied, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. Someone has said that to give up praying is like giving up breathing. F.B. Meyer, British evangelist, says that the greatest tragedy in life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. This morning I'd like us to turn to the Gospels of Matthew and Luke and that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. This will be perhaps a refresher for us today in praying. First of all, Matthew chapter 6, begin at verse 9. Matthew chapter 6 at verse 9. Jesus speaking. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And in some manuscripts, for thine is the kingdom, yours is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Luke's Gospel, the 11th chapter, provides the occasion for Jesus' teaching on prayer. And I'd invite you to turn to that Gospel, the 11th chapter in the first verse. We'll read through verse 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give each day our daily, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, and in some manuscripts, but deliver us from evil. That is the word of the Lord. I love imagining that scene in Luke chapter 11. I love imagine, imagining Jesus praying alone. Was he kneeling? Was he standing? The usual position for the ancient Hebrew in prayer was standing with arms lifted uh, to the heavens. I love imagine, imagining Jesus praying Imagining the disciples seeing uh, again how Jesus spent time alone with the Father. And then their request as he came from that time of prayer, that place of prayer, back to the group. Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus' reply has been prayed and has been a pattern for praying and has been beautifully sung by Christians of every stripe for centuries now, 
And this morning, just for the next few minutes, I'd like to walk down through that prayer line by line. Uh, one thing I'd encourage us to do in the uh, matter of prayers, don't complicate it. As I reread this prayer that Jesus gave us as a pattern for our praying, it seems to me that Jesus is saying to us, uh, this doesn't need to be complicated. You don't have to have just the right words. You don't have to uh, have a master of divinity degree or pray loud and long or get it just right to pray. Just pray. Pray, our Father in heaven. In response to the disciples' request to teach them to pray, Jesus says, first of all, know and acknowledge who you're praying to. That may be the very best part of praying, that we have the ear of God, the Lord Almighty. Think of that. When you pray, say, Father. Jesus had been using that term, Father, to describe God throughout his ministry, and that would have been new and amazing for the average person in Israel in those days, who couldn't even speak the name of the Lord, so sacred it was, who knew him as the Lord Almighty. Now he's Dad. When you pray, say, hey, Dad. I know that Father can be something of a stumbling block for someone who perhaps didn't have one or didn't have a good one. You have to work through those things. But God the Father is all that a father should be. Present, engaged, close, protector, provider. He loves you. He's faithful. He'll never leave you or forsake you. When you pray, say, Father. Look a bit further down in Luke chapter 11 at verse uh, 11. Jesus says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Or in Matthew's account, give good things to those who ask him. In teaching us how to pray, Jesus first of all said, know who you're praying to. He's a, he's a father that wants to hear your prayer, that wants to answer your prayer, that wants to give you good things. That's a good thing. Amen. God is our father in heaven. A reference to the heavenly realm, the realm of God, not just a uh, final destination for those of us who believe. It's a present reality, a whole other realm that exists, perhaps just in another dimension right where we are, a whole other realm that existed before earth existed and will endure forever, where when all else seems to be coming loose at the seams, when all else seems to be uh, unraveling on us and out of control, it doesn't touch the realm of God. I love that picture of the realm of God in Psalm 46, a psalm that uh, took us through some of the toughest times in those early days of this uh, global pandemic. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. 
Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. Our Father in heaven. But notice that whole prayer that Jesus taught us begins with a pronoun. Our. little grammar lesson. Is that singular or plural? Plural. Good. If you had said singular, you were going to have to stay after class. And that struck me years ago in this prayer. That's true throughout the prayer. It's us. Give us. Forgive us. Lead us. When I pray, even when I'm alone, I have you in mind. I have us in mind. We are to pray on behalf of us all every time we pray. I think we can lack the sense of community, the collective identity that was so uh, in the fabric of the life and worship of the ancient Hebrew and uh, that Jesus carried right into the culture of our Christian faith in this rugged individualism of our American culture. Religion is not a private thing. It's as public and community-oriented as it gets. Whether it's prayer in a service like this or prayer to the Father alone in the quiet of our own home, we're always together. Makes me uh, think back to those early days of the lockdown, March of 2020, and three weeks in, we went totally pre-recorded, and it was that way for months, and it was at that point that we began the practice of communion every Sunday, the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. And every week we would encourage everybody back in our old home church to uh, tune in to that pre-recorded service all at the same time, Facebook, and comment in the comments. Let us know you're there. And that Lord's Prayer, every time it came up in those uh, times together, it would remind us of that, even though physically apart. Jesus must have had that in mind. prayer goes on. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed. In the Greek, hagiazo, the verb form of the Greek word that would translate holy. Your name is holy, Father. This is actually praise in our praying. Praying isn't all about just asking God for what you need. It's, It's praise. When you pray, Jesus says, acknowledge who you're praying to, that you're praying to God the Father and give Him praise. In other words, begin your praying with worship. Then pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Thy kingdom, the rule and reign of God. He calls the shots. Jesus is Lord. He's leading. He's guiding. This is my Father's world. This is the Lord's day. (laughs) This is His house. I am His and He is mine. Thy kingdom, the rule and reign of God, 
Later in Luke's gospel, uh, Luke records a conversation that he had about the kingdom. Luke 17 at verse 20. This is what it says. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst or among you, or it could be translated within you. The kingdom of God is among you or within you. When I pray that prayer, I ask, Myself, how does the kingdom of God come? What is the answer to that prayer? What are we praying when we pray, Thy kingdom come? Here's the answer, I believe. God's rule and reign, His kingdom of love and light, of mercy and justice comes through and among us. That's how it comes. When we do the Father's will, when at your work or in your neighborhood or at your school, you do to others what you would have them do to you, Jesus' teaching, you're bringing the kingdom. When you return good for evil and not evil for evil, you're bringing the kingdom. When you share with those that are in need, you're bringing the kingdom. You're the answer to that prayer. We bring the kingdom when we do His will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Once in a while we talk about king, uh, God's kingdom being an upside-down kingdom because it's so counter-cultural. But it's the world that's upside-down. And as His kingdom comes through us, among us, we set the world right-side-up again. Quick pause. Remember this prayer Jesus taught us is a pattern for our praying. Now we can pray it. We will before the service is off. We could do that every day. But I really believe it's a pattern for our praying. Whenever we pray then, Jesus says, first of all, remember who you're praying to. Begin with worship. And then your very first request each time you pray is that God would rule and reign in our lives. And that his will would be done. That through us his kingdom would come in this world. Request number one. Then Jesus says, pray, give us this day our daily bread. I don't know where you do your grocery shopping and if and when you buy bread, but I'm guessing when you buy bread, it lasts for longer than a day. Am I right? We get a couple of loaves at least, put one in the freezer so we don't run out. But that's not always been true, and it's not even universal in the world today. There are still places in the world, and for centuries, people made enough bread for that day. Didn't have plastic wrap or freezers or anything like that. Jesus says, pray, give us each day our daily bread. Essentially, Jesus is teaching us to ask the Father for what we need today. And when tomorrow comes, do that again. Remember that Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough troubles of its own. Just today. And there's that us. Give us 
again. Uh, and then we come to what I believe is the most challenging part of the prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Nothing interrupts the free flow of God's grace or chokes out the joy of life more than unforgiveness. I remember a men's meeting that launched years and years and years ago, and they invited me to come on Thursday night after a great meal. They started talking about their bucket list and what they had on their bucket list. And there were trips to uh, European countries or skydiving or whatever. And I suppose there are some of those that should be on my list before I check out. Be a pickleball champion, maybe. But I remember that night what was on the top of my bucket list and it remains at the top. To not leave this earth with some unresolved relationship that I haven't done my very best to resolve. I want to live at peace with all men as far as it depends on me. You can only do your part. Forgiveness is rarely easy, but it's always required. In Matthew's record, uh, Jesus adds a few words. Matthew 6 at verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's rough. But right there it is. As the Apostle Paul reminds us, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is about the time I want to get my nose all bent out of joint about something somebody said or done to me. Then I think about the piece of work I am, that I've always said the right thing or done the right thing. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This uh, request of the disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, reminded me of a song that I uh, learned way back in college days when dinosaurs roamed the earth and all the rest by a guy named Joe Wise, philosopher, uh, theologian, songwriter, and artist. Here, uh, here's the chorus to that. Lord, teach us to pray. Anybody know that one? Lord, teach us to pray. It's been a cold, it's been a long and cold December kind of day. With our hearts and hands all busy in our private little wars, we stand and watch each other now from separate shores. We lose the way. Oh, my goodness. And I love the graphic behind those lyrics. Sometimes when we're holding a grudge or something's happened or something's been said and we're not sitting down in humility, and talking that through and trying to understand each other and we're not forgiven. We're like those winter trees on either side of that snowy path just standing there looking at each other, feeling bad. Jesus said, every time you pray, 
examine your relationships and see if there isn't someone that you need to forgive. And forgive. And then you can ask me for forgiveness. You probably found this to be true. I certainly have. It's a lot harder to hold a grudge or withhold forgiveness from someone that you're praying for. Having trouble with somebody, they just drive you nuts, they're aggravating you, maybe they've hurt you. Um, do this imagination uh, exercise. Imagine you, that person, and Jesus in the mi middle, all of you holding hands, walking down the road, and then pray for them. See if that doesn't help. A good relationship with the Father, including prayer, will always have a positive effect in our relationships with each other. Forgive us as we forgive, Jesus told us to pray. And then he said, pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You rem might remember, was it the present Pope and the Catholic Church uh, changed the wording in the Lord's Prayer there? To do not let us fall into temptation. Whether you agree with that or not, uh, the intentions are good because James does say in the New Testament that God doesn't tempt us. It's the devil that tempts us. And I think they were trying to get around that in the Lord's Prayer. Although the Holy Spirit did send Jesus into the wilderness to be tested, tempted by the devil. But still the devil is tempting. Regardless of how you sort all that out, the prayer Jesus taught us is a reminder every time we pray that we need to remember we have a spiritual enemy, that there is a spiritual struggle going on, that the battle doesn't end when we get saved. In fact, it might just be heating up that we need the Father's aid and deliverance in that. Amen. And then the final line. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And we're back to praise. When we pray, we should begin and end in worship. And Matthew's record adds, amen. Let it be. May it be so. All that we've prayed, all our requests and prayers, amen. What a simple, beautiful, profound pattern for praying. The Lord's Prayer. As we read the whole of Scripture and experience life, we know that praying isn't a one-way conversation. Amen? It's communication. It's communion with God communication part of a relationship with God, as much listening as speaking, as much simply waiting in His presence as time, at times as bringing our needs and praise and confessions to Him. So it's listening. We like saying that prayer changes things. Actually, God does the changing. Prayer just gives Him the opportunity. Amen? You have not because you ask not, James says. We need to pray because we need God. A 
lack of prayer may very well well indicate an over-dependence on ourselves or a contentment, a satisfaction with what is and not enough faith about what God might do if we just ask Him. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask for or imagine. Prayer comes in many forms. Public prayer, like Scott led us in today. I thought of Jesus at at Lazarus' tomb. He prayed out loud a prayer that he himself said was for the benefit of those that were around him, not himself. There's prayer together. Acts chapter 1, those uh, early believers were together constantly in prayer, together. We can pray out loud. We can pray silently. Praying on our knees, praying with our hands lifted to the Lord. We can just be walking and talking with Him, alone with God. Prayer is perhaps the most important, powerful, and effective thing that we do, yet the easiest thing to neglect. The title of a book by Bill Hybels years ago has always stayed with me, Too Busy Not to Pray. One of our pastors back home has this quote on her signature line in her emails from Oswald Chambers. Prayer is not the preparation for the work. It is the work. I don't know about you, but 62 years in and 52 years of those following Jesus, I find myself still making the disciples' request to the Lord. Lord, teach me to pray. I'm with Einstein. I still haven't figured out the mystery, the beauty, and the wonder the practice of prayer. I want us to continue to pray for your new lead pastor. Larry's going to be uh, facilitating that time of prayer after our service again today. We're going to shift that location from here in this place down the hall to the chapel, that children's area. So after you've greeted each other for a bit and gathered up your kids and belongings, all who can, let's uh, head up the hallway and let's be praying for that, that new pastor that's going to come and uh, shepherd this flock and, and together with you lead you into the good days God has for you ahead. Let's continue to pray for the health and growth of this church. This community, this country, this world needs as many healthy, growing, alive, vital thriving churches as it can get. The local church is the hope of the world. Why? Because you are the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Christ, the presence of Christ in this world. Let's pray for our health. Let's pray for our growth. Let's pray that we don't let the small stuff be big stuff. Let's resolve what we need to resolve. Let's move forward in the power and in step with the Spirit. Amen? Let's pray. Let's continue to pray for each other. Pray for each other. I'll tell you what, guaranteed, when I walk into a hospital room and visit a, a Julie Loring or a, a Gary and Diane, you don't think your praying for them makes a difference? It does, absolutely. Just knowing that somebody's praying for them makes a difference. And let's pray in the way Jesus taught us to pray. Would you stand?
stand and let's pray this beautiful prayer together. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our worship team's going to come. And, and I really do believe as we begin a new year, as we continue to uh, face the challenges and the opportunities and live in these challenging times, and they are, that the very best thing we could do is worship and pray. I repeat those questions to you today. What place does worship have in your life? What place does prayer have in your life? Let's heed the call of God to worship, to pray, to hear his word. And if we're doing those things, context of a relationship with the God who loves us and is with us and for us and working in and among us, we're going to be okay. Amen? Lori's going to uh, lead us in a beautiful old hymn, and I hope it's an encouragement to you as we begin to close our service.
Jesus, thank you, dear visitor. God bless you. Be a blessing to everyone you meet along the way this week and especially to each other. Greet each other, encourage each other, and then uh, those that can stay, let's make our way up the hall into that chapel area. We'll be praying together. God bless you. you can